please turn in your New Testaments to Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Giving thanks is greater than, I've kind of be cute with the little greater than sign in the bulletin. Giving thanks is greater than anxiety. Do you believe that? That giving thanks is greater than anxiety. Philippians 4, 4 through 7, as we begin this month of thanks. We know the malls already have Christmas up, but we are going to explore the giving of thanks this year together. These are the very words of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious about, excuse me, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In case you're wondering if you're the only person that wrestles with anxiety, no, you're not. Everybody struggles with anxiety. Everybody has fears. And everybody has kind of fears that burrow down more deeply and become a, a, a more general feeling called anxiety. And at different times in our lives, we just struggle with different types of anxiety and having fears is not a problem it's what we do or don't do with them and this morning we're going to learn what to do with them some of our anxieties are relational they have to do with with things that we really struggle with in some key relationships in our life some of our anxieties are job related And they're just kind of there, underneath. Some of them are child-related. Some of them are parent-related. Some of our anxieties are expectation or disappointment-oriented. We fear what might happen. We fear what might not happen. We're just kind of have this thing Underneath, we fear losing things. Some of our anxieties are, are health-related. So, so let me ask you, what are you anxious about this morning? And if, you're, if you say nothing, great. We'll ask you next week. What are you anxious about this morning? The Greek word translated anxiety in Philippians 4, 6 means to to kind of really look at something, like to have concern about something. To put it in modern words, to almost obsess over something. And, And when we're anxious, we are really concerned. We are really focused on this this fear. We're we're obsessed. The Old English root of the word that we say in, 
In English, the word worry literally means to strangle. I get that. I think sometimes we are, are, are fearful, we are obsessing over stuff in our lives and we feel the weight of it and, and we feel it kind of strangling us. It's not a great way to live. And by the way, anxiety also packs a punch physically. We get headaches when we just clench and never unclench and obsess. Uh, we get neck pain, back pain, stomach pain, ulcers. It affects our thinking. We don't think as clearly. It affects our moods, obviously. It affects our, our digestion. Anxiety is not good for us. And in addition to like the personal stress and, and anxiety that we feel just as we're living with other sinners uh, in our family, our family of origin, our extended families, uh, in our jobs, our friends, all these things we've been kind of relating about, we also kind of have a, a, a general overhanging anxiety. Maybe we could call it, it's a bad way to call it, but I'm going to call it anyway, news anxiety. Like, like sometimes I just get to where I just don't need to get the news, like the actual news in a, in a given day. I mean, there, in case y'all don't know, could I just tell you there's terrorism and you're not sure when it's going to pop up? Uh, there's violent crimes on the rise everywhere, almost everywhere in these United States of America. There's nuclear war hanging over us right now of some sort that is mysterious and we're not even sure what it means. I mean, I, you know, I, I, finally, I finally just had to take the Drudge Report off of my favorites. I mean, because I think news organizations kind of make their living by playing on our fears and our anxieties. You ever notice that, like, you're watching the news and it says, we're going to go to a commercial break. When we return, we're going to talk about the water, how the water you're drinking may be killing you. Or, you know, they kind of, get, they kind of leave, you, leave you over the edge. When we come back, don't leave because we're going to tell you why you should be terrified about something. So I got rid of the Drudge Report. But just for your edification, I decided I would just run down just a list of headlines from the Drudge Report yesterday. Just for you to see what I'm talking about. Trump Asia trip. Will Kim greet Trump with a new nuclear test? Yemen's Iran-backed government launches a long-range missile over the capital of Saudi Arabia. It was intercepted by a U.S.-made interceptor. Artificial intelligence robot is made a citizen in Tokyo. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Well, and that's only terrifying because Elon Musk last month was saying the robots are going to kill every last human being one day. High schoolers stand around to record student viciously beaten. Pets on the menu in Venezuela as they are starving. Teens turn to prostitution. I'm not making this up. And here's the one, the last one, the very last one. New black death, deadly virus worse than the plague with no cure. Have a nice day. I mean, did your blood pressure go up when I read that stuff to you? New York Times article two years ago. Let me just give a little bit more background. We'll get into the scriptures. 
But I mean, this, I, this, I'm just incredulous. New York Times article, not quite two years ago, quote, Americans are pretty anxious people. The World Mental Health Survey found that Americans were the most anxious people in the 14 countries they studied with more clinically significant levels of anxiety than people in Nigeria, Lebanon, and Ukraine. Like, everybody's drunk in the Ukraine tonight, you know? It's like, really? We're more anxious? Yeah. Yeah, we're more anxious. Okay. So Americans struggle with anxiety. What are we to do about it? What are we to do about it? And by the way, I, I, I need for you to know something. We are, our theology is called Reformed Theology. It comes out of the Reformation. And it has to do with Genesis 2 of, of, uh, of making the uh, creation work for you and being the vice lords over creation. And this does have to do with the fact that in our tradition, we think medicine is good. We don't think that when you take medicine, you're not trusting Jesus. We see this as an outgrowth of making creation work. We see aspirin as a blessing. We see anti-anxiety as a blessing. And so do not take what I'm about to tell you that this is a this versus that kind of thing. Our, our theology celebrates the help that we get through subduing the earth. And I think we, we have a pretty good person to tell us about anxiety here today. His name is... Saul of Tarsus, otherwise known as the Apostle Paul, he has every reason to be anxious. I mean, as he writes this epistle, y'all know where he is? As he writes this epistle, he's in a Roman prison. Um, he writes this letter from the Roman prison. He says in other places that he's already suffered beatings. Like they thought he was dead, left him for dead one time. Um, he suffered stonings. They thought he was dead. Shipwreck, starvation, snake bites. I mean, you name it. This guy has had it happen to him. And you know, if, if I were the Apostle Paul, I would probably start wondering when it was going to happen again. Not him. No, he's not afraid. He has every reason to have anxiety. And Paul teaches us that believers in Christ have a massive advantage when it comes to how we perceive the world, how we perceive other people, how we perceive our lives, and, and what we may or may not be anxious about. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. And what he's telling you this morning, and me, is he's telling us that a personal relationship with the living God matters. So, how does Paul say, or what does Paul say that believers are to do with their fears and their anxieties? Three things. Trust, pray, thank. Not eat, pray, love. Trust, pray, thank. That's what the text says. And y'all, this is so good. And I think you're going to find some peace 
through the Spirit of God ministering His Word to you this morning. Trust, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Paul did not say, regardless of your, your, your circumstances, just rejoice and it will make it better. He did not say that. And I, I don't like it when believers say that. He didn't say, whatever your circumstances, be happy. That is not what this text says. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord. You see, it's the in the Lord that makes the difference. Uh, it, rejoice in the Lord under all circumstances. And he repeats. That's a Hebrew way of emphasizing. And again, I say, rejoice in the Lord. And the key to this whole thing is knowing the sovereign Lord over all as your Father who loves you. You want to talk about what might happen. You want to talk about what might not happen. You want to talk about what people have done to you, what they might do to you. We need to talk about who's over all that. And whether he's God or not, and whether through a relationship, through God sending his son, taking care of the sin problem that separates us from God, for us to be able to be God's child, whether he, the one who rules the universe, is sovereign over all the affairs of men, whether he loves us, he knows us, and he is in control of every molecule on earth and every nanosecond of our lives. That matters. And that's what Paul's saying. Rejoice in the Lord. This is about the importance of believing in the utter, absolute monarchy of God over his creation, over the cosmos. And that God is our God in total control. You know, in the first century and in the time of this writing, obviously, Paul is writing from a Roman prison. There is persecution. There is breathing of murderous threats against God's people everywhere. Of course there's anxiety. Of course there's fear. But in the midst of these trials and persecution, then and now, and people are being persecuted just like that all over the globe this morning, and we're going through trials right here, it's about trusting in the one who is reigning over all of this stuff and believing that he loves me. I know him. He loves me. You know when Paul planted the church in Philippi, he and his friends did? You know what happened to him? I won't tell the whole story, but he got thrown in. He got in prison there. And there's this great scene where, you know, I went to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to plant a church, which for an Auburn grad is called mission work. And so I was a missionary, very cross-culturally, I might add. And it was hard because I was persecuted. I'm being funny. I shouldn't go that deep. I didn't get thrown in jail. I didn't have the police come after me. I didn't have people trying to ruin me. When Paul planted this church, he was in jail. And, you know, the, what happened was the, the jailer comes around, you know, to check on whether the prisoners are still there. Oh, they're there. They're having themselves a praise service. In the midst of the jail, they are smiling and laughing and praising God. And the jailer says, what kind of people are these? Answer, Christians, believers in the sovereign God 
And by the way, the Philippian jailer became one of the newest members of the new church that Paul planted because those men understood and lived by the sovereignty of God. Verse 5, Paul goes on, let your reasonableness, this word means kind of like gentleness. It, it can mean yieldedness. But what it kind of means is this, let, let your reasonable gentleness be known to all men that you're the people who keep your head in these situations and you're reasonable, you're gentle, you're yielded, and there's a difference in you. God is sovereign is the reason. And then verse 5, the Lord is near. Well, we know the Lord is here. By the Holy Spirit in our lives, if you put your trust in Christ, then not only have your sins been eradicated and they no longer keep you from God, but you have been given the righteousness of Christ, and that's why God always sees us based on what Christ is and not what we are. Integrate our salvations based on the work of another person and not our feeble attempts to clean ourselves up enough to be accepted to a holy God. We are not accepted by a holy God, but we are in Christ. But you know, the other thing that happens when we come to Jesus is that we are adopted as God's sons and daughters, and we are given the Holy Spirit so that God resides in our life. Okay, we go through fear. God resides in our life. God is sovereign over all. This is looking pretty good if we focus on this. But then this thing, the Lord's here, but the Lord is near. The text, the ESV says the Lord is at hand. What that, this was kind of something that the early church told one another. And what they're saying is this. God's not just here. Christ is going to return. The Lord is near. Meaning, you know, we know that whatever you're going through is temporary. We know that God filters it through his love and his control. But we also know that Christ is going to right every wrong and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Y'all understand that could happen this afternoon? That'd be great, by the way. The Lord is at hand. So the first thing is... You got anxiety? We've got to trust. We've got to believe that God is God, and if you've put your trust in Christ, that you know Him, you're His Son, you have the Holy Spirit, and that He's coming back soon. God's got this thing. So I don't know what it is you're anxious about, but could we just start with God's got this thing, and He's sovereign. Trust. Secondly, pray. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Notice the anything, everything. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication or petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Translated, take everything to God in prayer. God's not only sovereign, he's yours. Talk to him. This is about a relationship. Don't you love that verse and um, what a friend we have in Jesus? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Prayer is an amazing opportunity it's an amazing opening into the very heart of god who holds our hearts and our minds as you'll see in a moment prayerlessness 
leads to anxiety. A lack of sovereignty, a focus on the sovereignty of God, it's all out of control, leads to anxiety. Prayerlessness leads to anxiety because in 1 Peter 5 through 5 7, it says this Cast your cares, you know, your concerns. Cast your cares upon Him. Why? Because He cares for you. You understand, whatever it is you're going through, you don't have to bear the full weight of this. Whatever that is, take it off of your shoulders and throw it onto God. God's telling you this. Cast your cares on Him because He cares for you. And uh, prayerlessness stokes anxiety because our cares are just squarely on top of us and strangling us. And this morning I want you to know they don't, it does not have to be that way. It is a great thing to be able to, to say this emotionally to yourself and cognitively to yourself. This thing I'm scared about may be really, really bad and really scary. But I know God, the, the God I know is sovereign over it and over all. And here it is. And I've prayed about it. I have taken this off of me, and I have put it onto God. You know, there are several things I can remember about what it was like to not be a believer in Christ and then at age 19 and a half to come to Christ. But one of the things I I can't really remember very well is just not having God there to pour my heart out to. Not having God in my life, to, to be able to cast my cares on. You see, this isn't just, you know, you better pray twice a day. Y'all, this is an opening to the heart of God, that God is reaching to us and says, you don't have to carry all this the way you're carrying. It doesn't have to strangle you. Pray to me. The word prayer here, interestingly, is a, a, a kind of a general word of, about generally addressing the Lord uh, it, what we call prayer, it carries the idea of adoration and worship. And that's cool because like one, one of the first things that ought to happen when we have fear or anxiety that's, that's kind of developing underneath the fear that, that's more of a general feeling is we need to get with our God and we need to worship Him. That's that acknowledgement that He's sovereignty. But that's probably why Paul says in prayer and supplication or prayer and and petition, that second word, what we would call petition, that's the earnest, and this is the meaning, the earnest sharing of our needs to a Father who's available and a Father who's listening. So, you know, it kind of all goes together, doesn't it? What are you anxious about this morning? Name it, not out loud. Name it. Put a name on it. Do you understand God's sovereign? Worship God. Your God. you understand He's sovereign? Pour your heart out to Him specifically. Cast your cares upon Him. I mean, the question is, uh, when, when, when bad things are going on, if the question is, what are we going to do now? The answer is, we are going to rejoice in the fact that we know the God who is sovereign over all. We're going to worship Him, and we're going to cast our cares on Him, and we're going to wait on Him for the answer. Knowing, being a believer makes all the difference. Trust, pray, and then kind of the whole reason we chose this passage. Thank. Here's the the hidden secret weapon. 
that we don't really talk about that much of dealing with anxiety in our life. It is called giving thanks or, or thanksgiving. Why is that? Because anxiety is typically about what we don't have or what we're afraid we're going to lose. Isn't that true? Anxiety is about what we don't have that we feel like we need and we're not okay unless we have it and we're anxious about the fact that whatever it is, could be relational, whatever it is, we, we don't have it or we could lose something and we're, we, 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 we're going to lose something we have. Thanksgiving is a focus on what is solid that we do have. Thanksgiving is a celebration of what God has given us. So we can focus on what we don't have or what we might lose. That's called anxiety. Everybody here does it. Or we can focus on what we do have that God himself has has given us. And that's called thanksgiving. One way to be less anxious in our lives is to be more thankful. Even the secular literature says this. I read it. And I hate to say this. Well, let me just say this first. And we're going to get to the fact that this isn't just a technique or a formula. But not only can we celebrate what God's given us and quit forgetting about it, like it didn't matter, but God loves it. God loves it when his children thank him. Those of you who are parents, when you have a child, a little child, say, thank you, mommy. It just melts your heart. And you have an adult child that kind of, maybe they're a parent now and they say, Mom or Dad, I get it now. Thank you. Doesn't that mean something? Well, let me tell you, this, this is a relationship with, with God. And, um, and I'll tell you what thanklessness is about. It's about what you don't have and what you, all this stuff. But really what it's about It's about how your agenda is more important than God's agenda for your life. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know what you need. You know what you don't have. You know what you need to be terrified about, God or no God. And that's just going to be the way it is. Uh, It degrades the value of what God has given and obsesses over what we don't have. You know, I think about... um, Maybe put this in a in a word picture. I want you to think about the game Monopoly for a minute. Everybody played Monopoly? Uh, sometimes we live like some greedy Monopoly, Monopoly player. And so, you know, when you play, the, Monopoly is such a redemptive game. The whole purpose is to put everybody else out of business and, and be the king mogul with the big cigar. Uh, very redemptive game. Uh, came up with it during the Great Depression. So uh, you kind of, people at least like play like they had money, even though they didn't have money. So in Monopoly, you know, the, the goal isn't just to keep going around the board, right? The goal is to own the property. And when you own all the colors of a property, and y- y'all know what the, like the kingpin two properties are in Monopoly. Do you know what it is? Tell me. Boardwalk and Park Place. Ooh, okay, y'all are greedy. Um, okay, you play Monopoly, 
You get boardwalk and park place. You put a house, four houses, then you get a hotel. You still don't have enough. Still, we're going to get Baltic Avenue and strangle a little bit of money out of people. Now, why am I saying this? Because, y'all, this this is kind of what we're like. I mean, God is so generous with us, and we act like He's given us nothing because we don't have the next thing. And I'm not going to be happy until I have it. It's like, really? It's like, is it is life just about the next few spaces on the board? And you own spiritually boardwalk, park place, hotels, heaven, eternal life. God is sovereign as your father. You own all that. You get it? And let me tell you, in this country, we literally own more than everybody else in the world. We literally, literally have ownership, the title and deed to more stuff. So why are Americans more anxious than Nigerians and Ukrainians? Because we just follow the theology of the game piece and the game board. We're in the game. Are you anxious and unhappy until you get what you want? I want you to think hard about that. Because that is needless anxiety. And do you already have more than you need? I'm going to tell you something about that. That life is shiny. It's very shiny. But that life is sterile. It's sad. What are you anxious about? Why are you so anxious? Some people are anxious God's going to get you. You anxious that God's going to get you? Just go to your Father. You know how we make decisions for people when we shouldn't? We say, well, he, wouldn't want, he or she wouldn't want to do that, so we don't ask them. It's like quit making decisions for people. Quit telling God what he's going to be like. Go to your Father. Tell your Father that you love him. Tell your Father you're sorry. Tell your Father you want to be close to him. Tell your Father thank you. For the relationship. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for my family, for all that I have. Let's focus on being thankful for our salvation. Let's ask God to help us be thankful for our spouses. Be thankful. I know you don't get along with those people all the time. Too much spouses, because two sinners like in each other's face. Be thankful. Be thankful for our children. Be thankful for the parents that God has given us. I didn't say any of that thanksgiving at different times in our life would be equally easy. I'm just telling you that God has given us these things in, in, in a relationship. So how would you do that? Let me give you a start, and we'll move toward a close here. Paul links prayer and thanksgiving in the passage, and I think this is a great help to us. So, for instance... When you pray for God to supply a need, and that's fine, 
why don't you thank him for all that he's already supplied? Why don't you think about something he's already given you? And say, Lord, I really ask for you to supply this need, but, but I also really want to thank you. You get how that, that prayer and that thanksgiving work? In other words, when you make petitions, why don't we flip it into thanks? That might be something you work on this week. Another example would be when you pray for safety for you or somebody else, why don't you thank him for the safety that he's provided to you and to other people? When you pray for healing, um, you ought to thank God for the healing he's already provided in your life at different times. And, and you ought to thank him for the health that you've enjoyed. You see, it's not just, Lord, I'm going to be miserable if you don't answer this question. And the, the one I really love is, if you don't answer, I mean, question prayer, kind of a question, I guess. Uh, if you don't answer this prayer, I'm not going to believe in you anymore. It's like, really? Like God really is or isn't, depending on how you're feeling? I don't think so. God's not going to be taken hostage. Like God doesn't deal with little terrorists. So I want to just go to your father. And just ask him for healing. Ask him to supply. But why don't you say thank you for all the health I've enjoyed. Or maybe this, one more. When we pray for our children and their future, big prayer request. Nothing quite as white-knuckled as parenting. When we pray for our children and their future, we ought to thank him that through many dangers, toils, and snares, they have already come. Thank you. I promise you, the scriptures teach that that sovereignty, that prayer, and that thanksgiving will reduce the anxiety in our hearts. And and what Paul says finally is that this trust prayer thanks leads to peace with God. And better than peace, it's a peace that surpasses understanding. In other words, it's not an arrived at peace. It's not something that like you, you, you made a deal with God kind of peace. It's peace that you're kind of not supposed to have, that God just gives you because you turn to Him. Uh, and it's God answering in ways beyond anything you ever prayed as well. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. They'll literally be like an armed guard marching around your heart and your mind, your feelings and your thoughts to protect you from anxiety because you are turning to Him. You are praying in trust. You are praying to Him and you are thanking Him. So, let me conclude. Trust. We could make a formula out of this, couldn't we? Trust plus prayer plus thanksgiving equals peace. Not so fast. It's not a formula. And it's not a technique. It is an opportunity solely given through a relationship that we are not supposed to have with a holy God who has given it to us in spite of us through ultimate sacrifice on a Roman cross to be our Lamb of God. Through His own blood, God has made us His. This isn't just a formula. This isn't just a technique. This is knowing the Lord. If you've never put your trust in Christ, you need to do that. Because if you've never trusted in what Christ has done for you, and you're still trying to do it on your own and be a good person with a little Jesus thrown in, you are not a believer in Christ if you've never done that. 
Salvation comes through faith in Christ. It is knowing the Lord so that we can rejoice in Him in the midst of our circumstances. It is knowing His desire to hear from you, be with you in prayer, to take care of you, that you are welcomed. You understand that? You are welcomed by this friendly deity who smiles at you through Christ because He's yours. He's yours and you're His. And you can pray to Him anytime. It's knowing that you can rejoice in Him because you know Him. It's knowing that you can pray to Him. And it's knowing that He has already shown His goodness to you over and over and thanking Him. Not just caring about the next thing or putting your whole life on this, but thanking Him for not only your salvation, but for the many ways that He has thanked you. Yes. Trust in a relationship plus prayer in a relationship plus thanks does equal peace. So thanksgiving. Let's practice the prayer thanksgiving flip this week, okay? Could I hear from some of y'all about that? You can email me or even next Sunday just say, I've been doing that prayer thanksgiving flip and it didn't work. Or you can say, that was just the greatest thing, Joseph, and God has been faithful to his word. But let's do that because we know him. Let's pray. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross for us to remove our sins by being punished in our stead, and you see that now, you can't do it on your own, and you want a relationship with God through Christ, pray with me. Lord, I see it. It is amazing. I now see it's something you've done rather than something I do. So I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity. And I want to turn from everything that I've called religion. And I want to put my trust, Jesus, in you and what you have done. I want to receive you, the risen, living Christ, into my life. Thank you that even now I am forgiven forever. Even now your Holy Spirit has come into my life. Even now I am your child. Lord, would you keep my eyes fixed on you, Jesus, because you're the author and the finisher of our faith. And would you help me deal with anxiety through a relationship with you? And Lord, there are many of us that have walked with you and we are experiencing anxiety at this time in our lives. Things are not going the way we want them to go. And we feel fear. Some, some feel terrible fear and a deep sense of anxiety. Lord, thank you for all those people in different ways that bring help that you, uh, you are about using people in our lives. But Father, would you help your people now to turn to you? Would you be willing to say in your heart in the midst of whatever it is that God is over it, that God's up and over it? Would you be willing to say that he's sovereign even over that? And would you ask him to give you a sense of, of knowing and peace because you're trusting in Him. Would you cause us to be able to even rejoice in you because you are sovereign? Lord, would you open up your people's hearts to prayer this morning? And if you're just in the tuck position trying to get through hard stuff, God, would you, would you just kind of unclench people this morning? Will you unfurl their bodies and unfurl their, their hearts 
so that we might see that through your blood, Jesus, you have made the pathway and the bold entrance into the very throne room of grace, and we can cast our cares upon you. Whatever it is that you are anxious about this morning, not only would you have the desire to believe God sovereign over it, but would you be willing right now to cast that anxiety upon God because he can handle it? Would you do that now? And Lord, forgive us for our thanklessness. And would you cause us, just like sometimes we, we, we begin to see things that we're focusing on, we begin to see different types of, of plants when we're focusing on them, or birds, would you help us to see your goodness and generosity to us? more than we see it right now? Would you be willing, would you be willing in your soul, in your heart, and through the the eyes of your your soul to behold the goodness of of God? If you are, just pray with me. Lord, would you show me yet again your goodness, not only in salvation, but also your goodness in my life in so many ways. Would you open yourself up to embrace God's goodness in the midst of your storm. And would you be willing to thank God as well as pray to Him and trust Him? Would you say that to God in your heart? Would you say thank you, God? In Jesus' name, amen.